It's like back in baseball, we're having a doubleheader. I'm having so much fun. Hey, stick around and listen to how one little adjustment led to a huge epic failure on brew day number two. Hey guys, Brandon here with Becoming a Brewer. And if you guys heard the episode I made last night and posted last night, uh, I was I was excited about the success of brew day number two, and you know I was crossing my fingers for the fermentation. I was kegging today, which was Sunday. Um, I got up super early, and I was pumped to get out here and keg my first beer. You know, I was pumped, right? I mean, I wasn't sure exactly how I was going to do it last night. I did a little research and decided I was going to do the zero oxygen transfer uh, or oxygen transfer, I should say. Um, and, you know, me having this kit I bought from Anvil made the process look pretty simple. So I'm like, you know, I'm just going to try it out. So what I ended up doing, as I mentioned in the last, uh, I believe I mentioned this in the last episode, is I ended up filling the, the keg after cleaning it with PDW and, you know, filling it full of star sand. I ended up, uh, you know, purging all of the star sand out of the keg using CO2. So basically I had a, a pressurized keg with nothing in it but co2 so what i ended up doing was transferring uh with zero oxygen right the transfer kit from anvil into the keg everything seemed to be fine like it went really really well i I heard a lot of people say that you know last time or when they try to do the zero oxygen transfer takes forever like hours and hours and hours and for me it was like i don't know it seemed like it was like a couple minutes so I'm so started thinking about that. Like, why is mine like something must have happened, right? Like mine was super quick and everyone else's takes forever. So like what what did I do? Like what I do wrong, right? That was the first thing that came to mind. What I do wrong. Well, I'm using a on my anvil bucket, I bought a um a bulkhead which allows a one and a half inch tri clamp to be able to attach to it. And you know, I have a little dry hopping rig that's a sight glass. Um, I have another little, you know, uh, attachment for a blow off tube. So all those things I have, you know, included now on the anvil bucket. And from what I'm told, you know, I'm using ad- advanced techniques. So I was told, was told to today I was, I'm using advanced techniques. I should be using an airlock, an airlock, you know, just a, a traditional airlock. And I was like, well, how would I do dry hopping? Uh, well, don't do, don't dry hop. He said, don't just don't dry hop. Just, just get your beer done and don't dry hop. I'm like, well, you know, I, I want to dry hop, you know, like, so yes, I understand starting out when you start out, you're supposed to do stuff and just, you know, gradually get to, you know, more advanced techniques, but that's not how I roll guys. You know, I wanted to basically, I definitely put the cart way in front of the horse on this one. And rather than just doing an airlock, I ended up getting a bulkhead, like I just mentioned, and all those other goodies. Um, you know, I got a inline oxygen kit from Blickman with the, you know, the carb stone and all that stuff. And, you know, I got all this, all these goodies and, you know, I don't really know how to use any of them. So, um, I decided not to use those. I just basically went straight from dry hopping, um, to the blow off tube and the blow off tube. I think it's a half inch MPT is what's on there. And I'm using a, you know, a bigger size tube, you know, the tube that you would, you would connect your, um, foundry to, and you would do all your, you know, recirculation and stuff like that. So it's a pretty, it's got a pretty big diameter in the, in the, in the tube. So, yeah, liquid flows pretty fast through that stuff, right? So 
what I'm trying to get at without making these episodes super long is I thought today was great. You know, everything went really good. Uh, what I did notice, and I'll kind of like rewind, like maybe, f- you know, a day. Uh, I came out when I cold crashed. I uh, was not told when I cold crashed. Basically, it was like I was fermenting at 68 degrees. It was like, oh, just, you know, drop it to 35 and cold crash for like one to two days and then keg. That was the instructions. Right, so I, I looked at some other YouTube videos and stuff out there, and it was basically all the same instruction. It was yeah, just uh, dry hop, dry hop, and raise your temperature to seventy degrees once you know fermentation is getting close to the end, and then dry hop, uh, dry hop for a couple of days, and then you know cold crash, drop drop to thirty five degrees and cold crash. That was it. That was the instruction. There was no anything else. Hey, by the way, if you're doing this, then do that or do this instead or whatever. So I did. I did what I was told to do, right? I follow instructions pretty good, right? I feel like I do, you know? Um, so after the first day of cold crashing, I came and I checked on it just because I just wanted to make sure everything was was kosher. So I opened up the, the chest freezer and I looked inside and um, the blow-off tube that sits in a – it's a 2,000-milliliter flask, full star sand. Uh, basically, the star sand was gone. I was like, damn, that's crazy. Like I better fill it, fill it back up. So I filled it back up. And didn't think anything of it, you know, it was just like, oh, maybe it got cold and evaporated or something, right? So I left it, left it in for the day. And then this morning, um, I was cleaning up, just kind of tidying up, getting ready for the, you know, for the transfer from the fermenter into the keg. And when I opened up the chest freezer, I noticed that the star sand was almost gone again. It was like right down at the bottom. I'm like, that's freaking weird. Like, didn't really think nothing of it though. I'm like, okay, whatever. So I'm gonna pull the fermenter out and I'm gonna get it ready to do the transfer. Like I mentioned, I did the transfer and it was super quick, right? Like it was like, man, everyone else took a long time, but mine was super quick. And what I had to do though with this with the zero oxygen transfer kit from Anvil, I had to make like a little like a joint, like a joining um, like piece from the elbow into the tubing because my tubing was way too big. And that's when my brain started like thinking, is this, is this like, is this tube too big to be for a blow off tube? You know, like, I don't know, like no one's told me it is. I see other guys using it. So I'm like, ah, oh, whatever. Um, so I'm making this little joining piece out of like a three eighths inch tubing, um, to join the elbow from the oxygen, the, you know, the zero oxygen kit from Anvil to my blow off tube. Cause it just wouldn't fit. So after connecting all that stuff, it was fine. I did the transfer like I mentioned, and it was super quick. So I'm like, man, something's up here. You know, and I recorded all this stuff too on a video, so I'll show you guys too. It's, it's pretty funny, but um, so everything's in the, you know, in the keg. I ended up getting in the keg. There's no oxygen, touch anything. Um, I did, the guy was telling me, you know, for put in at 40 degrees for at 12 PSI for like 10 days, it'd be good. Now I didn't look, I didn't look at like carbonation schedules or nothing like that. Cause you know, I'm just trusting this guy. He's been doing it for a long time. I know what he knows what he's doing. He's making videos. He's all over the place. So, um, I'm like, I'm just going to follow what he tells me to do. So, you know, I got 12 PSI in there. I put it in the back in the chest freezer and I set it to 40 degrees. Good to go. Well, then when I like was getting ready to clean out the fermenter, I just looked at it. I'm like, just this doesn't look right. It doesn't smell right. You know, just all these little things just don't really add up. But then again, I've never done this before. So maybe that's what it is. You know, you can see all the, you know, the proteins and the trouble at the bottom. 
which I was like, yeah, I guess that's the point of cold crashing is you get that stuff out of the liquid. Now the liquid that went into the keg looks super clear. I mean, it was a little, it, it had the golden color. It was a little hazy looking, which was, which was cool. Um, uh, the look I'm looking for, uh, but I was still not sure cause it's not something I've done before. And then all of a sudden that thing popped up in my head. Like it just smells weird. Like it almost smells like acidic, like kind of like the sanitizer does. And then all of a sudden it just popped in my head and I felt like, dude, I, I can, I'm almost positive that for some reason when I cold crashed, this star sand somehow made its way up the tube and into my beer, into the fermenter. And remember, I filled up the flask twice. So, I mean, there's a significant amount of star sand or could potentially be a significant amount of star sand in this uh, fermenter, which now is in my beer, which is now being kegged. So intuition kind of like, you know, kind of poked me in the side and said, hey, do you need to kind of figure this out, dude? You know? So I ended up messaging the guy that I've been talking to for the last, you know, couple of weeks. And he's like, all he said was, oh, no. So <laughs> I automatically knew something was up. He didn't even write me back, like, right away. When he said, oh, no, I immediately went in, turned off the CO2, you know, that was attached to my keg, pulled my keg out, and I automatically knew, like, yep, there's star sand inside this keg because it got in my fermenter and the beer's ruined. So I didn't even think twice. I mean, I just started, I basically depressurized it, dumped it out, smelled super good, by the way. Looked really good. That was only a two and a half gallon batch, but got rid of it, cleaned it, and then he wrote me back and goes, Yeah, dude, you're supposed to remove when you cold crash. He goes, I didn't know you were using a blow off tube. I thought you were using an airlock. So I'm like, Well, what's the difference, right? Like, I don't, what's the difference between an airlock and a, he's like, Well, you're using more advanced techniques. So I'm thinking, Well, it doesn't seem very advanced to me, but maybe it is. I don't know. Like, I've always tried to kind of maybe push the envelope here. Who knows? So I'm just going to chuck this up as a, as a learning lesson, right? Um, but regardless, you know, I'm cleaning everything out and I'm really bummed because I was trying to get, you know, this uh, second round in the keg and get ready for to drink this thing. But I almost said I'm just going to leave it and I'm going to drink it anyways, but I don't know if I can drink 2,000 milliliters of star sand, you guys. So I uh, basically pulled the plug, cleaned everything out, um, you know, clean everything with PBW and sanitize everything, which took me basically all morning. I was cleaning, right? Cleaning all the mess, clean the fermenters out, cleaned everything, uh, top to bottom. And now I'm sitting here in the brewery, in the garage. Um, everything's cleaned and, um, just kind of scratching my head here. Right. So I ended up doing a little research online, started looking at cold crashing and people are saying, you don't really need to cold crash. You can use Worf the Worflock tablets to, you know, clear some stuff up, but I was using, you know, I'm going for the hazy look anyways, and the recipe called for the cold crash. So I was following everything I was told to do, but I started thinking more about the blow off tube and noticing that, you know, most airlocks, you know, they're the, the hole in them, right there. It's pretty small, right? That's, I think maybe a quarter inch or less is what the, the hole is that gets put into the, the little rubber stopper on top of a, you know, a, a, either a bucket fermenter or some type of carboy or whatever. So I'm thinking, man, you know, and, and if I was going to use a, a blow off tube, maybe the blow off tube, 
the half inch was just way too big, wasn't allowing the carbonation or the CO2 to stay in the fermenter and do its job. So I ended up finding a tri-clamp, a one one and a half inch tri-clamp with a quarter inch, uh, like a hose barb style fitting that I'm ordering right now. I'm going to get a couple of those and I'm going to try that out. And I'm thinking that that might solve my problem. But I just wanted to make this this podcast episode for you guys today because I was kind of feeling a little bummed out about it was was really pumped on last night's episode and, and got up early this morning and I got ready. I ate breakfast. As you guys heard on the last one, I didn't. So I ate breakfast. I was all prepared. I even took a shower. I was just super pumped. Like I had my, uh, my like my had bandanas and all this crazy stuff on today. Uh, I was preparing for a big win. Now I really didn't have any bandanas on, but I felt like I did. I just really came out here today um, ready for success and uh, was an epic failure. Right. But you know, the cool thing about this stuff is like I told my wife, like, you know, at least now I know what not to do next time. Right. The first time was don't pull the, the hose off when it's boiling or don't pull the, the, the mash bucket out, you know, don't, don't pull or the grain basket, don't pull that out, you know, until it's, it's done, you know, don't try to do anything too quick, you know, think about what you're doing before you do. Don't just pull hoses out and get hot liquid all over the floor. And now I'm like, okay, when you call a crash, Close the butterfly, the butterfly valve and remove the tube out of the star sand and cool a crash for two days, right? So apparently I looked on – and this – you guys do your own research on this. But I, I looked at why when you cool a crash, what issues could be. And I think Northern Brewer posted this. But it mentions something to do with when you start cool crashing. Some, some like auction takes over something and starts creating a vacuum. It would start sucking your star sand or whatever your solution is out of – you blow off tube and up the tube into the fermenter. So it kind of like basically, you know, validated what I was thinking after the fact, right? Not before the fact, because I wouldn't have done it. But so give you guys a heads up. You guys are in the process of, of brewing beer and, you know, you guys are going to cold crash. I'm just giving you guys a, a heads up on this one. Remove your dip tube or before you cold crash, you know, do a couple searches on YouTube or Google and, and figure out like what's the pitfalls of, of cold crashing and what you should do. And it's going to tell you about removing that, that, uh, blow off tube. So that's what I didn't do. It ruined my, my, uh, second brew day. Um, but Hey, like I said, you know, I got a, I got a Coronado right now, weekend vibes, little IPA. I'm sitting here in the garage, the brewery here. I'm looking at the, the setup. Pretty excited. I at least have it all set up, ready to go. I got some, a new recipe coming right now. I got some grains coming right now in the mail. So um, not going to be able to brew this week or this weekend. My daughter's got a soccer tournament this weekend, um, but I will be brewing the following weekend. So I'll be making another another post regarding brew day number three. Now I am very superstitious on numbers. Um, you know, I've been playing baseball my whole life, played college baseball in Southern California. And, you know, being 0 for 2, is not a good sign, right? So my next one's got to be successful. I'm going to go one for three on this one. Hope you guys hold me accountable to it. Um, I'm excited to do it. I was actually hoping I had enough grain right now. I was actually going to fire up a brew day today. Um, I just didn't have enough ingredients. So 
Um, I am going to be firing that thing up in about two weeks, you guys. I'm going to let you guys know what I'm doing. I'm going to keep posting stuff in here. I appreciate you guys listening. I hope this is helpful. Uh, if some of you guys are getting ready to start brewing for your first time, man, you should definitely be listening to this because I'm going to be telling you everything from how, what not to do, how, you know, how what most people tell you to do is probably not right and all that good stuff. It's basically you're gonna you're hopping on a journey with me in this whole how to become a brewer uh, series. It's gonna be a lot of fun. Um, but most importantly, guys, you know it's it's a learning, right? It's a learning curve. I get it. That's why I wasn't really upset this morning about the star sand issue. Um, I'll never do it again. But then again, right? Um, every day's a new day, right? So. I will definitely make sure brew day number three is is on point. Uh, we're dialed, ready to go. No hose pulling, no grain basket, premature lifting, no blow off tube in star sand on on cold crash day. You know, and I think I should be good, should be good to go. You know, I was thinking about implementing the oxygen uh, inline oxygen stuff, but I might just have to hold off on that. So I don't go over, over three. So anyways, guys, it's been fun. It's been real. Hope you guys had a great weekend. It is Sunday. So I hope you guys got a chance to relax with your family, got a chance to post down, maybe create a new craft brew recipe or brew your own beer. But most importantly, you guys are having fun and enjoying life. Once again, guys, this is Brandon with becoming a brewer. Excited to be here, excited to be doing this and excited for batch number three. You guys have a great week and I'll see you guys on the next one. Cheers.